Good morning, good morning, Rabotai, Chag, Chanukah, Sameach. Today's breakfast and class is sponsored by Sami Hafif for Fuash Lema, for Rachel Bat Leah. Rabotai, I noticed something very interesting this morning when I was praying. You know, the Pasuk, the Tefillah says, right when we start the Berachot of Kiryat Shema, we say, Baruch Ata Hashem, blessed are you Hashem, Yotzer Or, he who fashions light, and he creates darkness. It's important to understand that contrary to popular belief, darkness is not the absence of light. Darkness is a creation in and of itself. Why? In the Jewish perspective, there can't be anything that exists without it having been created. If ever you thought that something which is black or dark doesn't have existence, it would be interesting to ponder the concept of a black uh, hole, of dark matter. These things have, an, they have rules, they're wild, they're unpredictable rules, but they have rules, they operate in some sort of way as well. So in the same way that a, dark, that a black hole, in the same way that darkness carries within it uncertainty, you can't see where you're going, it's not something that's readily understandable, so too as well the properties of these, uh, of these things are also something which eludes us in our, uh, in our endeavor, even in the scientific community. Rabotai, the reason why I'm discussing this is because I believe that on a deep level, those two words represent something with regards to the holiday of Hanukkah specifically. Let's take a look for one second at the words of the Midrash right in the beginning of Bereshit. In Bereshit it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he creates the world, Bereshit Right? Right? And the land was mixed up, as they say. And there was darkness upon the face of the deep. We're not going to go into what each of these mean, but the rabbis tell us in the Midrash, means um, not just in the creation of the world in its elemental uh, parts, that God creates light and dark, God creates uh, from this, you know, the dry land, the heavens, the animals, the insects, etc., etc. Not just that, but rather, the Midrash says, Vechoshech, what is Choshech? Ze Galut Yavan. This refers to the uh, Galut, the exile of the, of the uh, Greeks. Why is it called Choshech? For they darkened the eyes of the Jewish nation with their decrees. And what specifically did they do that darkened the eyes of the Jewish people? For it was said to them, Write upon the horn of the ox that you have no portion in the God of the Jewish people. Now, there's many questions that need to be asked here. One question, my friends, is the question that, why is it that Yavan is called Choshech? They're called darkness because 
they darken the eyes of the Jews? What does that mean? Number two, what does it mean that they said to them, right on the horn of an ox, I have no part in the God of the Jews? Why on the horn of an ox? Question number three, if you're going to tell me that they darkened the eyes of the Jews, tell me, like we've already talked about previously, that they said that they couldn't keep Shabbat, that they couldn't study Torah, that they couldn't uh, uh, have a Brit Milah, that they couldn't follow the Jewish calendar and have the holidays of the year. Why are you telling me about this specific inane gezerah or ruling that they had to write on the, on the horn of an ox, that we have no portion in the God of the Jewish people. Rabotai, I'd like to share which, what I think the answer to this question is. And we're going to start first with the question of the horn of the ox. You know, today, when you think of an ox, what exactly do you think the purpose of an ox is? Today, you think of an ox, you think steaks. Right? What else are you thinking? What other purpose does an ox have today other than to provide us with Reserve Cut, La Marais, Wall Street Grill, Barnea Bistro? But back in the day, the purpose of the ox was what? Work. To work. Specifically, to pull the plow. You needed an animal that had that level of strength to be able to pull something that was very heavy. Now, a plow is not heavy. But because the bottom of the plow goes into the earth, so it's pulling against the earth. If the earth is rocky or the soil is clay-like, the amount of strength you need to be able to pull that, to break the earth, was immense amount of strength. And there were certain jobs that only the ox was able to pull. Now, the funny thing is about this ox, where does the, the human stand? when you're plowing the earth using an ox. It's not like a horse where you ride on the horse or a donkey where you ride on the donkey as it pulls a carriage or a chariot. There's someone on the horse sometimes. When you're talking about an ox, where do you walk? You walk behind the ox. Rabotai, think of how many hours the human would stand, the master would stand behind his ox on the plow. There's a little platform on the plow stand on the plow or walk behind it and the ox is pulling it. All that time, there was a, a exposure for this guy to be looking at a sentence that he was forced to write with his own hand. En lichelek, I have no portion in the God of Israel. Rabotai, I don't know how many of you uh, have to deal with advertisers. Mark, you ever spend any money on advertising? Yeah, you put up a billboard? You know, where do you do your advertising, as an example? Online. Online. He'll tell you that the way you pay for your advertising is based on not only how many eyeballs it gets, but how long the eyeballs spend on that site, on my advertisement, right? If they could scroll right past it, highway advertising is great because you get hundreds of thousands of people on a busy highway. But... They're passing by at 65 miles an hour. They might, hopefully they're not, looking at your advertising, they're looking at the road, right? So therefore, um, although you're getting many eyeballs, you're not getting quality uh, looks, quality views. When someone can't look away, so I don't know if you ever noticed this, you have a YouTube video, you open up the video, right? What happens? Advertisement. Could you skip past the advert? You can't. You try and skip it, you have to wait. 
You have to wait the five seconds. What happens if you click on another tab? You click away from the ad. 20 minute, 20 second advert. I'll click away. You come back, it paused. Why? Because they paid for you to look at it for 20 seconds. Rabotai. Although the Greeks, they instituted many laws, there was specific amount of time that they could know for sure that you weren't keeping Shabbat, that you weren't studying Torah, and that's when they're standing over you. But if they forced them, they went to their stalls, their stables, and they forced them to write this on the horns of their oxen, the guy doesn't have another ox. And he needs to stand right behind this advert, anti-God advert on the back of the horn of his ox. His eyes are seeing that all the time. Rabotai, a line like that, even if it was written half-hearted, is still problematic, it's still poison. There was a young man who once came to Rav Nassim Tzvi Finkel, and he asked him a halachic question, and he offered a novel solution. He said, Rabbi, you know, I sometimes I stay in the dorm in yeshiva, but sometimes I sleep at home. Weekends I go sleep at home. He says, so therefore, my house is actually my home. But I also have another place, I have the yeshiva. Now it's difficult to light in the yeshiva, there's many menorahs, there's not enough space. He said to him, listen, if I could go back to my parents' home and light in the house, and that's considered my house, then maybe I don't have to light over here. But the halakha says, if this is also your home, that creates a problem, because you need to light near iner ish ubeto. Again, this was relevant because of his Ashkenaz backing, but that's not the point of our story here. Rabbi listen to this. So the boy said, I have a great solution. What's the solution, he says? Rabbi, for eight days, throw me out of the yeshiva. If you expel me from the yeshiva, you write me a letter, I'm expelled from the yeshiva, then for these eight days, my dwelling is not in the yeshiva. And if my dwelling is not in the yeshiva, halachically, I now have a better option because I can only light at home. Rabbi said no. He says, I take those words very seriously. And even if I'm saying them in jest, and even if I'm saying them for the sake of a halakha, for a benefit, I'm not willing to have those words come out of my mouth. Because the words that we say, and the things that we see, even if rabotai, we don't mean them, they have an impact, an, an indelible uh, impression upon our eyes, upon our souls. In the Kiryat Shema we say, Lo taturu You should not turn after your hearts, but also your eyes. Because a lot of times a person sees something, automatically you see it. There's even a halakha that talks about whether or not a person is allowed to read a book that has in it kifirah, that has in it uh, um, the uh, uh, elements of atheist philosophy. Why? Because although you think, oh, I'm just reading it for my course. Oh, I'm just reading it for this. I'm just reading it for that. You know, I, I'm reading it in order to be able to know what to answer the other guy. Yeah, but what happens if it makes the impression on you? What happens if you're not strong enough? What happens if you think it won't make an impression? And it does. Rabotai, you have to be very careful. What was the hechshichu and hemish Israel? I want to say a big chidush. What does it mean that they darkened the, a strange expression, they darkened the eyes with the gezerah? What did every Jew do 
who sat on the plow of his horse. He closed his eyes. He put on a blindfold. He took his corona mask and he put it over his eyes. Okay? They tried to protect themselves. But bottom line, when you're setting up the plow, you need to be looking. When you're taking the plow out, you got to be looking. So even that short exposure, it still had an impression because they saw it each and every day. Rabotai, we go back now to the Pasuk. The Pasuk tells us, Choshech, what's Choshech? Choshech is Galut Yavan. Now you're telling me about that darkness that God created in the beginning of the world. You're telling me it doesn't only mean physical darkness. It means also the exile of Yavan. That means that when God created darkness, i.e. visual darkness, God also created the concept of darkness. Rabutai, did you ever wonder why there's a direct correlink between sunshine and positivity? Did you ever notice that? Literally, the cities that have the highest suicide rates in the world are cities where the sun does not shine. Did you know that? Why? Because there's a direct link between sunshine and happiness. Are you seeing this? That means that a concept of light is related to joy, to life, to excitement. The concept of death and the concept of despair and the concept of depression is connected to the concept of dark. Isn't that a powerful idea? So when God created dark, in effect, He also created Yavan. He created this, this peoplehood, this ability to try and shut someone else down, to uh, uh, choke off their beliefs, to not allow them to be the people that they're supposed to be. Rabotai, and we find as I started, that idea is mirrored in the Pasuk, in the Tefillah itself. Yotzer, or God, fashions light, but he also created darkness. Rabotai, why is that so important? It's so important to recognize that the same God that created sunshine and the same God that created joy, he also created dark. He created Yavan. So when God saves us from darkness, God was the creator of the salvation, but he was also the creator of that darkness. That means that it was an incredibly important thing for me and for you to go into Galut Yavan. Why? Because it is only from a person's darkness that they can discover their capacity for light. It is only after you have to shut your eyes and shut out this influence and risk your life and fight for uh, what's right and what's light. That's the story of Hanukkah. You only experience it when you're exposed to that Choshech, to the Choshech of Yavan. So, so says the Torah in the beginning of time. God says, I'm going to create light. But in order for me to create this thing called light, I have to create its partner. I have to create its yang. I have to create its moral uh, equivalent on the other side of the spectrum. Rabotai, when a person experiences an element of darkness in their life, and darkness is defined literally as a feeling of the absence of God. 
When a person is feeling that, Rabotai, suddenly in that moment, what happens when you feel that darkness and you feel alone and you feel sad and you feel depressed and you feel like no one's with you? Because that's the challenge of darkness. The challenge of darkness is that you cannot see that someone is standing with you. They could be standing right next to you, right behind you, and you can't see it. That's the, the worst hurt of Choshech. So Yavan said to the Jews, they darkened their eyes by telling them, you have no portion in God. And by definition, if you have no portion in God, God has no portion with you. The Pasuk says, Ki chelek amunai amo. God, his, his, his portion is us, and we, and we are his. And if that is the case, Rabbi they tried to darken that eyes in, in the eyes of the Jewish people. It is not a mistake, it is not for naught that the word chashecha, which means darkness, is the same letters as the word shikha, which means to forget. And we all remember, Al-Anasim, that we said this morning, that the purpose of the Yevanim was to make them forget the Torah. <clears throat> Rabotai, there's no time when we forget Torah. There's no time when we don't do mitzvot, like a time when we feel like we are in the dark. When we feel like uh, we've been struck down. I remember one time, a long time ago, my house was robbed. We, we lit the Hanukkah candles, and then we went out for one hour, and by the time we got back, our house was robbed. And a friend of mine came over, and he said, he pointed to the mezuzah, and he said, oh, what a beautiful mezuzah you have. It's a big, beautiful, ornate case. And I was so upset. They had taken literally everything of value from my home. And he says, wow, what a beautiful mezuzah. And I said, a lot of good it did me. The mezuzah we know was supposed to protect the house of a Jew. Where was my protection? But how could I say such words? I felt choshech. I felt dark. I felt alone. I felt like I was doing mine and he wasn't doing his. Right? Is that not obvious? So what happens in a moment of weakness? What do we say to Hashem? Oh, you're not here for me? Okay. I'm not here for you. Chashecha and shikha is the same thing. But it's important, Rabotai, when a person feels that, moving away from them. So sometimes, you know what the greatest cause of chashecha, of darkness is? The greatest cause of darkness is darkness itself. So you're feeling alone and abandoned. You feel like no one's with you. So you push further away. What happens when you push further away? You feel even darker. Why did you push further away? Because of the first bit of darkness. It's important, Rabotai, when a person is feeling upset, sad, not to shy away, but to talk to Hashem from that place. To try and bring into that initial stage of Choshech, the tiniest candle, the candle of Chanukah, the light of Chanukah, Rabotai. Having that little one candle in the darkness brings that the second night, you have two. And then the third night, you have three. And by the end of the holiday, 
Your house is blazing with lights, with candles that are expelling the darkness from your life. May Hashem bless us that in our moments of sadness, of darkness, of feeling alone, even when it's a time of God turning away, it seems like He's hidden. It's a darkness within a darkness because you let go for one extra day and for two extra days. And now during Corona, you're upset and you're not feeling religiously connected, so you didn't come to shul. But what's the answer? The answer is not to let that run away from you. The answer is to try and light one candle. And even if you don't feel <clears throat> like you're in your place where you were as religious as you were before, you were as connected as you were before, in your Torah, in your tefillah, and this applies to everybody, no matter how religious or not religious, attempt to do something small, bring something to be able to push away that choshech, because the antidote to this choshech that God created is, look at the end of the pasuk, look at what we find over there. Choshech al tehom. But the Spirit of God, Mirachefet, was hovering above the waters. Rabotai, the Spirit of Hashem is with us. It's just that it gets harder to see in a moment of darkness, of pitch black. So what do you do? You light something small and you see Hashem. That's what it means when it says, these candles are holy. Why? What do we say? What is the purpose of lighting them? In order to admit, in order to say thanks to the God we see through the light of the candle. What a, a beautiful idea I think that is in Hanerot Halalu. That if the light of the candle is supposed to expel darkness so that you could see God. That's why it says, Could you imagine how silly, how ridiculous, how inappropriate it is to take that candle which was designed to help you see God and to use it to fix the battery of a remote control car that you just bought. To use the light of the candle for something else. The light was given to us to see Hashem. Don't use it to see something else. Ve'en lanu rishut lehishtamesh b'hem ela lerotam belvad kidei lehodot deshmecha and the sechav and the flotech and yishuotecha. May God show us His face in every part of our lives, and now you understand what it means when we say in Berkat Kohanim, Ya'er Adonai panav elecha. May God grant He shine His face. The word over there is Ya'er, which means Ya'ir to light up. Because sometimes God is facing us. But in the dark we can't see. We ask Hashem to shine the light, to use, to light up His countenance. So not only is He with us, but that we can see that He's with us. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.